Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome everybody. I'm Rex. And I'm Raina. And this is No Love and No Marketing. Hey everybody. This week's episode is going to be our pilot episode. Um, we just wanted to give you a little bit of our background um, so that you would know a little bit more about us, uh, why we're doing what we're doing, our motivations, um, what we hope to achieve, and such. So I hope you enjoy this first episode. Uh, Feel free to go to the website, nolovepodcast.com. Leave comments, questions. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. I'm Rex. And I'm Raina. And this is No Love, The No More Continues, a weekly podcast where we're going to discuss topics that were raised in my book, No Love, No More, and deep diver into subjects such as child molestation, Child abuse, child neglect, adverse childhood experiences, all together, all of them. Adult sexual trauma, mm-hmm. uh, teenage sexual trauma, male sexual trauma, female sexual trauma. Um, but one of the recurring themes that we want to keep hold of is that uh, whatever the trauma is, it can be healed. Um, you can recover from it. It's not an easy process. It's not a fast process, um, which is not really popular in today's culture um, of instant gratification. But it can be a beautiful process, though. It is an absolutely beautifully horrible, torturous process that, if you stick with it, is a beautiful thing. Um, so, this week, this is our first episode. Uh, we're just going to kind of give you a little bit of background for those of you who haven't yet read the book. If you're not one of the 20 some people who's purchased the book, (laughs) then um, you probably don't know. Thank you, those 20 people. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, So, uh, I guess since I'm the one who wrote the book, I should start. Um, This is the book. It's a little narcissistic, I know. But, uh, also, here in the background, for those of you who are here in the beginning, I'm not going to talk about this again. 
Every so often, we're going to update these books back here with books that we're currently reading, have just finished, or have read that have inspired us. Um, maybe someday when we get settled in, end of the summer or something, we'll give you guys a tour of our library um, and all of our books. Mostly hers, um, but a lot of books, and it's definitely a growing collection. Um, so, uh, my name's Rex, like I said, Rex Shades Eagle. Um, it's not the name I was born with, um, but I'm gonna let you purchase the book to figure that out. Um, that's that part of the story out. Um, or at least I'm not gonna get into that right away. Uh, I come from a pretty messed up childhood, family life. Um, my People that I thought were my mom and dad, I found out at six years old, weren't my real mom and dad. And uh, a couple weeks after that, they ended up splitting up and I went with my dad. My mom and dad, who I thought were my mom and dad, are actually my maternal grandparents. Um, my biological parents gave me up when I was four months old um, due to some domestic violence issues that were going on in the home. Uh, at the hands of my biological father, whom I just found out the other day, um, is no longer with us. He's actually been gone for almost 20 years now. <clears throat> um, so they gave me up. My maternal grandparents went down to South Carolina to get me. That's where they were. Uh, spent the next six years with them. Six years? No, six years. Six years. Six years. Uh, with... My maternal grandparents calling them mom and dad. I still call them mom and dad. If ever in our talks, in the book, whatever, you meet me someday, or you know me, if I ever say mom and dad or mom or dad, um, I'm talking about my maternal grandparents. They're the only mom and dad I ever really had um, or cared to have. Um, but uh, they split up. My dad moved in with the woman who would become my stepmom. And shortly after we moved in, she began physically abusing me. Shortly after, there was sexual abuse um, at the hands of my step-siblings um, and her. Uh, that went on for about three years. And then uh, the physical abuse went on for another three years until I was about 12 and I fought back. Um, when I fought back, I did a bit of damage and my dad gave me two options. Or no, he didn't give me any options. He didn't give me any options. He told me um, his words, get the fuck out of my house and don't ever come back. Um, and I did. Uh, there were some agreements that had to be made. I agreed that I would go if he agreed to not tell my mom that I went. Um, not tell anybody. As far as anybody knew, I still lived there. Um, and I'm 47, 48, 48. No, just turned 48 last month. Um, and I've never slept under the same roof as him. Uh, I've slept in his barn. I've slept in his camper. I've slept in his workshop. I've slept in his detached garage. Uh, but I've never slept in his house. And it took a long time before I was even willing to do any of those. Uh, shortly after being kicked out, uh, I got pretty heavy, heavy into drinking, um, smoking pot. Uh, shortly after, I did cocaine. No, right before I got kicked out, I did cocaine for the first time. 
Um, shortly after I got kicked out, I did heroin for the first time. Uh, that was 1986. I was raped a year later, uh, summer of 1987 in Philadelphia uh, by some transvestite prostitutes. Uh, nothing against transvestites or prostitutes. I just wanted to give a little context. They were men. Um, and uh, that's when the heroin got pretty bad. Um, it really got really bad when I was about 15. Um, went on until I was about 18. I was in a pretty bad accident. When I was young, I spent some time in a hospital, got a settlement. Uh, ended up going to my first Dead concert in 1992, um, and three days later I left following the Grateful Dead. Uh, and so after my accident, I had gotten off of before my accident, I had gotten off of heroin, and because uh, I wanted to pursue a career in sports, and that didn't happen. Uh, I ended up breaking my back and some other things. Uh, but it's okay. I, I ended up leaving New Jersey, following the Grateful Dead. Uh, I followed the dead around, ended up in Vegas, left Vegas, met up with my old, with the people that I had left or went on tour with in Salt Lake, and ended up in Denver, Colorado. Um, spent a little bit of time in Denver. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Urban Peak in Denver. Um, they're a rescue shelter and support center for at-risk teens and young adults, homeless teens and young adults. Um, they're a great organization who did, provided me my first ever place to stay in Colorado. Um, they were the first people who, organization that I had ever met that didn't want anything from me. They just wanted to make sure that I was taken care of, that I was warm, that I had food and a place to stay. So... God bless you for that. Thank you so much. Um, anyway, uh, I ended up in Boulder. Uh, my second day in Boulder, I met the man who had become my best friend. Um, That's Colorado for anybody. Oh, yeah. Know. Boulder, Colorado. Sorry about that. <laughs> I forget sometimes. Yeah. Not everybody knows where Boulder is. Um, Boulder is just a little bit north and just a little bit west of Denver. Um, it's still Denver metro area. Still, uh, 303. Um, but, uh, and he was also a deadhead. Um, we ended up just eating a probably clinically psychotic amount of LSD over the next year, uh, which culminated in me in Oakland, California, getting spun. Spun, for anyone who doesn't know, is given a ridiculous amount of LSD. Um, I was spun on a quarter gram, which is the equivalent of 2,500 hits. Um, and I was high. I was like losing my mind. And this friend of mine, whose nickname coincidentally was Junkie Donnie, uh, told me the heroin helped. I hadn't done heroin in years. Uh, <laughs> I got off of it because it, 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 it didn't help. It did help, but it didn't help. Um, we'll get into that later. But um, that was 
December of 1995, and it helped. I did heroin, and it quieted everything down. Um, yeah, it was like wearing psychological earmuffs. You know what I mean? It like made everything noise dampening and made it more manageable for me to be able to think and not get lost in sounds. And uh, but all it really did was just kind of awakened, you know, like a dragon that was inside of me. And uh, I went crazy. Um, that was December of 1995. Um, I didn't really stop until I was busted in September of 1996, a year and a half later, almost two years later. Uh, when they busted me, I weighed 143 pounds. Uh, <laughs> by the way, here pretty soon, um, I'm going to go to Boulder. Um, I'm just waiting to get my taxes back. As soon as, I get, as soon as I get my taxes back, I'm going to go to Boulder Sheriff's Department, and I'm going to get copies of 20 years of mugshots. Um, to upload on the website so all you guys will be able to see it'll be like that progression of meth thing that they show you in there um, except it'll be the progression of heroin from 1996 or actually 1994 was the first time i was busted in, in boulder but uh 1997 was when i was busted for real um got charged with a lot beat most of it on a technicality ended up charged with a little possession of less than a gram um two counts well one count and i got out on bond like a month later and was out for like six weeks and got busted again um that was the first time i went to prison that was i ended up at the colorado department of corrections on june 27th 1997 and uh june 17th 
kept trying to get clean. I'd get clean for a few weeks and relapse for a couple months. Get clean for a few weeks, relapse for a couple months. Um, the last time I got clean before my last actual relapse, uh, something happened that there'll be a whole other episode for another time um, that uh, changed how heroin worked on me. The reason that I had done it for so long was because it worked. When I did a shot of dope, it took it shut the voices off in my head. It took away the memories. It took away the feelings of worthlessness, of shame, because I felt shame for what was done to me. Like you know, um, and on October twenty eighth, twenty thirteen, in the wee hours of the morning, I fixed up two grams of heroin, ran a bath. And I overdosed on purpose. Um, I woke up to some friends reviving me, much to my dismay. Uh, at the time, not now. Definitely happy, <laughs> happy for it now. Uh, but uh, there I was um, on suicide watch. They, I didn't have to sit in the same room, but I had to be within sight. Um, and I sat and I thought about how horrible it was that I had failed. But I knew uh, I didn't want to do heroin anymore. So I was on the run from probation. I turned myself in and I volunteered for a treatment program inside the jail. And I got to witness a bunch of hardcore convicts older than me, who've done more time than me, for way worse crimes than me, genuinely want to change their lives. And started getting real. And here's this group of 8 to 12 men at any given time sitting in a room about the size of a bedroom in a county jail with one of three or four either young men. So we're sitting in uh, this classroom and there's three female therapists. Um, which it's funny, if you would see these women, you're like, they walk around the jail by themselves. <laughs> They're like, these, they look like Nebby. They're like our, our daughter, Nebby's size. And this one guy who's no, much bigger, just sitting there and like, not doing anything, not judging, not doing anything, except for maybe putting on like a 10 or 15 minute video, being like, this is what we're gonna talk about today, guys. And then the video would go over, it would be a Brene Brown video, or um, something from Dr. Joe, uh, something along those lines, something of healing or vulnerability, or someday we'll talk about the guy who had the change your narrative story. The mystery guy. Yeah. The, the mystery guy whose video I watched too, he talked about you can't heal until you change your narrative, until you take your place out of the position of the victim and look at your story objectively. Um, and here we are watching these videos, getting real, talking about how our parents didn't love us or this or that or how our brothers abused us or our sisters beat us and cried. Thirty-something years old. I don't even know. And thirty-four. Yeah, thirty-four. And uh, I never cried. No, I was forty. Sorry. Way younger. Not as young as I think I am. 
because it happened on my right before my 39th birthday, or right before my 40th birthday. Um, and it's something just changed. I knew without a doubt I was never going to do heroin again. I knew it. And I know in recovery they say never say never, but like I literally would rather eat a bullet than shoot dope ever again. I know where that road leads and a bullet would just get me there quicker and not fuck around that time. That's kind of how I feel. Um, so over the last eight years plus years, um, I spent four and a half years in jail doing it in there, um, studying religion, studying spirituality, studying myself, um, meditation, Doing your recovery. A little bit of yoga, yes. Doing my recovery in there. I didn't have the benefit of sponsorship because you don't really have closed mouth friends in prison. Some places do and some people do, but I got trust issues. I'll have to take credit for it. Uh, Most addicts have trust issues. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, mm -hmm. but I did the work myself and I got out and I continued to do the work. And those of you who know me, who see this or hear this, and have been around for the past three and a half, four years, you know that I am a completely different man than I was then because I knew that if I wanted a different life, I had to be a different person. I had to do different things. I had to think differently, act differently, behave differently, speak differently, talk differently. Everything had to be done differently. And now that I did that, I've come to find that not much has really changed from when the times life was good, except that now I'm not plotting and scheming and waiting for the next relapse. Um, that was the, always the thing before. It was always, when's the next relapse going to be? When is the shoe going to drop and things are going to get so good that I get scared and want to ruin them? Or whatever. But... I've always been my best self-sabotager. Um, so over the last three and a half years, um, done a lot of work, a lot of healing work. Um, met my queen here, my arena, uh, shortly after I got out in 2018. And um, in that time, become a life coach. Ho'oponopono. Great word. Uh, EFT tapping, Reiki. What else are we doing right now? We're initiates in the nine rights of the moon and key. Um, and that's just me. That's just what I've done. Um, all of the things that she's done. I'm going to let her tell you about that. So, yeah. So, after, <clears throat> you know, spend the last few years trying to learn how to be a healer, um, we've decided to put it into practice. Um, but that's that's my backstory, some of it. Um, you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Um. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Not 
necessarily how that works. Um, <clears throat> it would be nice if it was. So coming from a childhood where um, you're you're in situations, you know, where it's it's creating you and you aren't you aren't necessarily wholly aware of that. Um, and like I said, I tried to make it go away. I tried to just, you know, have a beautiful little family and a wonderful marriage and um, that didn't work twice. Um, beautiful families, beautiful children, um, but not quite, just not able to really connect um, with my partner. And, um, and, you know, looking back, choosing people that were unavailable to connect with me because that's what adult children tend to do. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to reference adult children stuff a lot and I just kind of want to do a little trigger warning and also ACA thing that like I'm not representing adult children's in any way. It's a 12 step program. Um, if, if it's resonating with you, go Google it and look it up. Um, for sure. And I'll, I'll always love to answer any questions I can. Um, but also I'm fairly new at this part of things. Um, not new at living it, just new at, um, attempting to navigate it in a new way. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, and you know, so a couple marriages fall apart. Um, I've have five incredible, beautiful children. Um, they're probably like one of the miracles of my story is just how incredible they are and how lucky I was with all of that. Um, there's, you know, though, um, that's what happens in a dysfunctional and, you know, addicted or alcoholic families is it, it, it continues, you know, um, we, we didn't drink at all, um, <clears throat> in the household that my children were mostly raised in. Um, it was a sober household, no smoking pot, no drinking. Um, I, you know, I will say, you know, we were doing our share of sugar and, um, processed crap and caffeine, caffeine cigarettes. We were smoking <clears throat> cigarettes. Um, Addicted on illegal yeah, stuff. there were, there were lots of, lots of addictions that were, uh, you know, okay in society. Um, but because of my situation, you know, and growing up in the household I did, I didn't want to raise my children in that. I wanted to show them that people could grow up and be sober and, and be happy and navigate with, without using substances. Um, I erred too far to that edge, but we'll talk about that some other time too. That. Yeah, that's a good story too. Um, that's a whole other day. Uh huh. Good show. Um. So you know, I, like I said, I I tried to ignore it. I tried to pretend it away. I tried to just be healthy and be happy. And um, I've been saying for probably fifteen, maybe twenty years that I can't be, you know. My mom's sick daughter and their healthy mother but I had to be one or the other um, so um, you know all of this awareness is there but I'm not aware of how much it's shaping what I'm doing at the time hindsight and all that 
Um, so, and then with, you know, flirting with addiction my whole life in every shape under the sun, I mean, even reading or, um, like I can, I can find any way to check out or I'm very talented at that. I'll, I can latch on to anything that's available. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be illegal or explicit or I can get lost in crafting, sewing you if I want to. Abuser. I'm, yes, I totally am. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking that I have control and I'm okay and, um, and not really, you know, more, I mean, almost even more out of control because I'm willing to fuck with anything to try to find some peace. Um, and, you know, came, didn't, like I said, didn't really party, partied young, like early adulthood while I was traveling and following the Grateful Dead, but in my family life, like, I was sober, like, I didn't, um, I hadn't, I, w I was clean for a good dozen years, um, so coming back into it later in life, partying, um, it was a completely different scene, and things took me much by surprise, um, most of my friends were very advanced, practiced users, you know what I mean? I was not. Um, anyways, so, um, of my own accord, I have twice, not, not because of legal ramifications or, um, or even relationship ramifications, but just because of mostly my own awarenesses and where I got to, I twice have, um, reached out to, um, well, therapy, I've been in therapy for a while, but, um, 12-step programs. Um, I was in NA for a while. I had been taken to Al-Anon as a young girl by my grandmother. Um, both my grandmother and uncle were um, very active in AA. Um, so there was that. It, it was there. Um, So the, the, the awareness was always there. I, I, it was available to me. I knew it was there. Um, I hadn't looked at adult children of alcoholics, I think because originally it wasn't available in my area. And then, um, and then I was so worried about my, my own addiction, whatever that might be, um, at the time that, you know, like I said, I was in NA for, um, marijuana use, which that's, we'll, we'll tell that story someday too. Um, and, um, and then most recently had looked into, um, AA and OA, Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous. Um, and my therapist looked at me and she said, I think you need to look up, um, adult children and alcoholics. And it was like, somebody started throwing a carnival in my head. I was like, oh, everything just started to light up. So I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. Um, and so it's, it's, all this has coincided with his book coming out and, you know, all of our, our life and coming together. And, um, and so then there's this love that neither of us had anticipated and has also been a huge catalyst for, a whole nother level of healing and growth and 
also turmoil. <laughs> um, We've been through some shit. Yeah, and um, and when you really start looking at that pain that you've stuffed for, you know, a few dozen years, I mean, you it's it's painful. Um, I I I'd really done a beautiful denial number on myself. Um, so I kind of always I'm like, hmm, how much am I still hiding from myself? Because I'm I'm good at that. Um, so my interest is um, similar to Rex's in that we we end up in the same place where we want to help the the kids that were us. Um, we want to help the kids that are our kids. We want to help the kids that we know that we've met on tour and on the street and that we've known because of our um, kind of more, you know, shady, um, eclectic, colorful, 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 colorful associations. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm here because I think everybody has a valuable story. Um, I think the most valuable part of my story is how dynamic um, my coming to true recovery has been. Um, you know, when when sexual abuse starts at five years old and um, you're just kind of moving along with life, you don't really you you're not you you don't understand what's happening. You you have no comprehension for what is really um, what's really going on. <clears throat> um, and you're you're raised with this very skewed view because everyone around you that's an adult is denying what is actually happening. Um, so that's being an adult child in a nutshell, um, and the the multiple impacts of abuse. And um, I'm very interested in taking responsibility for wherever we are in our process of healing and recovery. Um, I I'm a huge advocate of radical self love and um, getting seriously honest with yourself and. Um, getting seriously honest with the people around you, you know, it's, it's totally uncomfortable and nobody really likes it. But the truth is that we're setting each other free as we're trying to help ourselves. Um, so that's my hope that I support your work, that I support this work of reaching, you know, um, especially females who are experiencing, you know, this very bizarre, multi-layered kind of sexual abuse that kind of is just sprinkled on through life and everybody tries to act like it's just fine. Um, you know, I really, I really want, I really want young people to understand how sacred and beautiful and powerful they are. Um, and, and I, I'm really interested in ways to accomplish that. Um, we've talked about speaking, you know, but this is where we're starting. So, um, we, we really genuinely, you guys, from the bottom of our hearts, hope that we have something to contribute, um, give a little bit of peace or shed a little bit of light or, um, even, even expand the perspective a smidge, you know, to help addicts, to pe to help people who love addicts, to help, um, and to help those who are hurting to who think because like I know 
um, you touched on some things that, like, I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, when I was, uh, literally, to my knowledge, the first homeless person in my hometown, Glassboro, New Jersey. Um, and I didn't have a lot of friends, but the friends I had, uh, when you, when you grow up in a really abusive home, especially like the kind of home that I grew up in, uh, where there's siblings and you're kind of the scapegoat, you understand that, um, you, I went from being my dad's number one to being an afterthought. Like we did, like someday we'll find the pictures, like when we unpack, we're in the process of moving right now, I'll post some pictures on the website of uh, that time when I was a kid and we've noticed it, that like in the pictures up before Arlene, that's my stepmom, I'm all smiles. And the pictures after, I'm not. I'm, just, I'm like sad and like, I have like a look on my face like, at least at that time, like of worry, concern. Yeah, kind of like a- Brooding, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, way too, way too serious of a face and a mindset for a kid that's six to 12 years old. Um, but I just want to say, uh, this is episode number one. So hopefully those who listen later on start with this episode, um, because I just want to say we're going to touch on some pretty sensitive topics on this show. Um, everything from sexual assault to suicide. Um, we're going to talk about some pretty gritty, gritty, controversial topics, um, such as the rape culture that we live in, uh, I personally want to do an entire show on the patriarchy's vilification of women. I'd like to have a female guest and a male guest on for that one to talk about that. But uh, at the end of every show, um, we don't want to trigger anybody. We don't want anybody to walk away from listening to our show feeling like they need to get high or they want to hurt themselves or... Anything, anything that's negative. We want you guys to be walking away from our show feeling like, wow, man, if these guys are talking about this, then maybe I can talk about it too. Maybe I can be open about what's going on with me or what has went on with me um, or with someone that you know or a family member or... The, the truth is you won't heal until you find a way to be vulnerable. A yes. safe way for you to be vulnerable. You have to find a way to truly create that for yourself, whether it's journaling or meetings or reaching out therapy yep. or all of the above or all of the above <laughs> probably uh, because I know for myself to get to where I am today, you know, eight and a half years ago, I was a homeless heroin addict on the run from the law about to take my own life because I just, not because I was anything other than tired. I saw no way out. I didn't think I would ever stop using. And now eight and a half, not even eight and a half years later, eight years and five months later, I am with my dream woman. I have five amazing stepkids, two beautiful grandkids, three dogs. We own almost 20 acres in Southern Colorado in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Your best life is waiting for you. If someone would have told me that eight and a half years ago, I would have laughed in their face and told them they were full of shit. But, as I said, we don't want to trigger anyone. 
So at the end of every show, if something that you've heard on this show or something that's going on in your life that we talked about was triggering, please look in the show notes. There's contact information for anyone you can think of. AANA, Adult Children, Suicide Hotline, um, Sexual Assault Hotline, Overeaters Anonymous. We've got it all in there. And if we don't have it, leave us a comment um, and tell us to add it. If we've triggered or made, haven't touched on a topic that is important to you or that you care about, go to the website, nolovepodcast.com. Leave us a comment. We definitely, even <laughs> anything at all, we want to hear anything at all. Uh, we hope that you keep it nice, but we even welcome discourse and dissenting comments. If we talk about something that you don't necessarily agree with, start a conversation. Maybe we'll have you on if you can argue your point enough. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I would, I would like to think that I'm a pretty open-minded person. And if you have good reasons for what, for a different point of view, I want to hear it. I want to hear it even if I don't agree with it. We we talk about this all the time. You know, we're, we have some pretty stiff views on things. Um, But we aren't the kind of people who then use that as a way to, Shut down everyone else. Yeah, or limit who who we accept as valid and worthy to share with. Like our, every, our everyone has just as much cred as us. We yeah, feel like. And if you don't believe as we do, that's fine. In the words of Morpheus, my our beliefs do not require you to believe as we do. Yeah. So um, we just would like, we would prefer you keep it loving. That would be our request. We always want to present what we're doing lovingly. So we, you know, hopefully if we all, if we all stay loving, then, then even all this um, pretty intense stuff we, we can get into, we'll, we'll get through it. We'll find beautiful things to share with each other. Um, yep. And then a final thing, I'll talk about this more. I just wanted to touch on why the book and the podcast are no love. Um, My best friend came to see me in county jail after my failed suicide attempt, after I turned myself in. And we were talking on the phone through the glass and he started crying. And he said, bro, when are you gonna stop chipping me out of your life? That was a turning point for me. That is when I realized that no matter what I did to myself, this man was not gonna stop loving me. That there was nothing that I could do that was going to chase him away no matter how hard I tried. So it inspired me to know what love really is. And I went on a religious mission. I wanted to understand the mystics and the prophets and the writers of the books, the Bible, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, the Vedas. I wanted to know it all. And the one thing that they all have in common is that they all say or they all imply that to know God is to know love. And to know love is to know unconditional selfless love is to be as close to the divine as we can be. So that's my goal is to know love. And like she said, to be a voice for those who don't have a voice because we didn't. Nobody spoke up for us. So thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you next week. Hope to see you then. Bye-bye. Take care. Hi. Thanks for listening to the show today. 
If you or anyone you know is in need of help, please feel free to reach out to us at our website, nolovepodcast.com, or follow any of the links in the show notes. You're not alone. You don't have to face anything alone. There is help. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.